Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cyber Inspiration Podcast. My name is Evgeny. I've been around cybersecurity for the last 20 years, and I have a lot of experience working with a variety of cybersecurity vendors and also providing consulting for the vendors and companies as well. As part of my passion in technology and cyber, I always intrigue to learn how companies start. I started the podcast to understand the thinking process and what motivated people to start their own company. This podcast is also affiliated with Security Architecture Podcast. I have a pleasure today to talk to Sharon about her journey. Sharon, can you please introduce yourself and the company? Hi, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Sharon Bauer. I'm the founder of Bamboo Data Consulting. I'm a privacy strategist. I act as a virtual privacy officer for several companies. I've been named one of the top 20 women in cybersecurity in Canada in 2022. I'm a recovered lawyer. I'm a long life learner. I'm a mother of two. And I'm a human being making mistakes every day and learning from them. I think it's a very, very impressive intro. We all human being and a part of being a human being is we can make mistakes, learn and recover and do something more fun. So if I will ask you about elevator pitch about Bamboo, what we will tell me? Bamboo is a boutique and highly specialized privacy and security consulting firm. We help small and medium businesses, including startups, implement privacy and security so that they can be more profitable by meeting their business goals and using data in a responsible and secure way so that they build the trust of their consumers, partners, and investors. Thank you. So what happened in your life, and I believe it was around four years ago, is that you decided, this is time, I want to start my own. Yeah, so maybe what I'll do is I'll take you back a little bit further than the four years ago. I started my career as a litigator, and I thought that's where my life was going to, my career would continue. I came from immigrant parents who were not necessarily professionals and becoming a professional going to law school was a huge achievement. It felt like it was the right thing to do, except for the next 10 years as a lawyer, there was something that I felt was missing. I worked my butt off. I was a partner at a firm. I had my own book of business, but there was something that didn't make me happy and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't happy. Long story short, it came across privacy, which completely intrigued me and led me into a new journey. I was offered a position at one of the big four companies after, you know, putting myself out there as someone that was very interested in privacy and felt that I can make a big difference in the industry. I joined the big four. I sold my law practice and, um, After gaining really amazing experience at this big four, I felt that there was something once again that was missing. It wasn't my passion for what I do because that my experience at the big four just confirmed that I was very passionate about privacy, but I felt that there was a part of me that I was losing. I felt that I was losing control over aspects of my life that I really cherished and I didn't want to lose. And I also felt that I wasn't able to use my creative side of my brain. And it got to a point where I felt that I needed to make a change. I'm the creator of my own reality. And if I wasn't happy with 
how things were. I couldn't expect the factors that were outside of my control to change and make me happy. I needed to take control over that. So I decided to leave and create my own reality. And so I decided to create Bamboo where I felt that I can add creativity to the passion that I have for privacy and see where it went. I really didn't have many intentions other than to build a life that I wanted to live that made me happy, that inspired me and inspired the people around me. So you had an idea to start your own company. And I always ask people, what is the market research you did to understand that people were actually going to buy the services in your case that you're going to produce? Because it sounds, okay, great, I want to do this, but do I really need to sell ice in, in, in Antarctic? You know, maybe don't need it. Maybe have enough ice. Yeah, so I did feel that, well, I what I did recognize, I should say, was that the small and medium businesses were underserviced, at least by the big four. There aren't too many privacy consulting firms out there. They're the lawyers that do privacy work, but they don't necessarily operationalize privacy. And you have the big four who are wonderful at what they do, but the small and medium businesses can't necessarily afford their services. So I saw a gap in the market. And I wanted to fill that gap. So I decided my brand or my business was going to service those small to medium businesses. And I also understood that there would be a lot of education that would be involved because many of the small medium businesses didn't, don't necessarily understand why they need to comply with privacy. They feel that they're not the target, it's the larger companies. And so there was a lot of education that went into um, explaining to those small and medium businesses why they would need our services. When we talk on privacy, do we need to align to certain frameworks like software compliance, ISO, or there's a separate framework that you have you, that basically you decide on them? There are several frameworks in privacy that you can use. Many of the controls come from the legislation themselves. So you have PIPIDA, which is in Canada, you have GDPR in the EU, CCPA in California, so on and so forth. Of course, you have your health privacy laws as well. So many of those controls come from the legislations. Then you have other controls such as the GAP, the generally accepted privacy principles, amongst others. There's a privacy by design framework that can be used. So it's really a matter of determining what the business needs, what their goals are, why they're pursuing a privacy journey, and aligning those goals with the proper framework. So as part of market research, people usually go to CISOs, to managers, and say, hey, I'm going to build XYZ, would you buy it? So tell me, if you're starting the practice, you're going to a company and say, by the way, you need my service. And like, why? So explain to me how it's working. I want to understand how was this market research done or kind of business development? Quite honestly, I did not do any market research. I felt that I already had recognized that there was a gap. Perhaps it was in my dealings with the big four where we had to turn businesses away. At the time that I started Bamboo, I think that I had a decent network of individuals who knew other individuals and businesses that I felt that I can leverage. And it's funny how it works, but when you start a business, as you probably know, and people find out that you're starting a new venture, everyone wants to help. They want to help you. 
And so it was a matter of putting myself out there, letting everyone know that I am available and that we're starting a business. And it was all word of mouth. It started with zero clients to only one client to another one. And then people telling other people. And before you knew it, we were busy. <laughs> it was a chance that I took. I, I very easily could have gone the other way. Now, you mentioned we are busy. So did you hire people right away? Did you wait for customers? Or how was this part in your kind of architecture brain work? Like, I need to have more customers and I'm going to have more people. Or I need people because I need to make sure I can service customers right away. When I, when I thought of starting a company before Bamboo even came into existence, I thought I was going to do it with a partner. I had someone in mind and we were in talks about how to start the business and put some, some ideas down. Um, within a month, we recognized that we were not aligned, that we had different goals in mind, that we thought about business in a very different way. And I think that I probably rushed into things too quickly because I was so excited about the prospect of starting something new and kind of creating my own reality. Once we realized that we were not aligned, I was on my own. And that was a very scary thing because I had just quit my job at the big four and was not making an income. And all of the ideas that I thought would come to fruition, I felt were not going to because I no longer had the partner, but I had to charge on and I had to figure out how to do it on my own. So for a little while, I was completely on my own and open to opportunities in speaking to people. And I ended up meeting a wonderful individual who kind of wasn't necessarily my partner, but we collaborated and he wasn't an employee at first, he was a contractor. So my strategy around employment was get contractors. I didn't know if Bamboo was going to be a thing. I didn't know if it was going to be a big flop and I couldn't risk hiring employees. I didn't have the money to hire employees. So it was all contract work probably for about a year and a half. I had probably seven contractors working with me until I, I made the decision to switch to hiring employees, which is a whole other story which we can get into if you'd like to i want to understand so you started with a partner then you went by yourself did you in one point started to create values for the companies that are important to bamboo and when you're going to hire people or even work with the customer if they're not going to align to your values you may not want to work with these people yeah so it was probably a year or so into the business that I started doing some strategic planning. Again, when I started off, it was just an idea, really wasn't sure where things were going. Although I do have to say, before I started, I wrote down a very vivid vision of what I wanted. And I needed to understand like what my goals were and where I was going. I didn't necessarily go into it blindly thinking, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I want to do. I had a very vivid vision. I wrote it down. I wrote down what things looked like. I wrote down what music I was even playing in the background. I wrote down the people that I wanted to work with. 
their personalities, the personalities of Is this like a five-year plan picture? This one of it those? Was. Yeah, it was. And I wrote it in one night. I just sat there and I didn't lift my head, put pen to paper, and it was like a novel. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't going to come to fruition, but I can tell you that I read it just last year and everything was exactly as I had pictured. There's still things that we're working towards, but my vision has not changed. And what's so amazing is that the people whom I've hired have such similar visions without them ever having read my original vision. It's pretty amazing. Do you ask people when you hire, do you have a vision? I ask them what their goals are. I ask them a lot of questions about how they work. I want to, when I hire people, I don't hire them strictly on skill. For me, the culture of bamboo is probably the priority. I was in a culture that I thought was, I've been in a culture, in a few cultures that I did not think brought out the best in me and the best skills that I can offered to the team. And I wanted to create an environment where we bring out the best in each other. There's so no- how you build a culture. So let's dive in. This is an interesting topic. How do you mm-hmm. actually create and vision and make sure this culture exists? Because when you're growing, the culture may change as well. Empathy. Okay. So it's a matter of understanding the people that you work with, not just understanding, you know, the way that they work, what their circle of competence is, how to empower them to to find that circle of competence and run with it and give them the autonomy. But it's also understanding them as a human being. It's understanding what's going on in their life and being interested in what's happening in their life. What are their interests outside of work? And treating them like a human being. At the end of the day, we're all just human beings. And the thought of them feeling that they're not valued or that they're not enjoying the work or are passionate about the work, for me, makes me feel like I'm not a good leader. And if that's the way that they're feeling, then I have failed. And so I take that very seriously as a leader And for me, when I work with my team, rightly or wrongly, I know some people say you shouldn't think this way, but I do see them as my family and I take accountability for them. And we build a strong bond and relationship. If I have to be with them more than I am with my own family, I better really like them (laughs) and they better really like me. And it's it's one of the most important things that we have at Bamboo. What happened? in the last three, four years, is that you realize you're on the correct path, that you're really going where you want to go. Maybe some events, maybe some client deals, maybe something else that you realize, yes, this is where I want to be. We choose the correct path. I feel that we're on the right path because I feel like we're making an impact in the industry. Um, We've had clients tell us that they would not have gotten a deal without their privacy program that we built for them. They use it as a branding tool now. I feel that we've made an impact because we hear from other privacy professionals that we work with that 
maybe contractors to us to say that they have never seen anything like this before. And whether it's the reports that we write or the service that we provide. And I also feel that we've made an impact because we're being recognized in the industry. And it feels really nice. It feels good that we are making strides and we're not compromising our values for it either. Great. There's a lot of tasks that you need to do as part of starting a company. What do you do to kind of stay on top and focus on most of the important parts and how you decide what's more important or less important because there's only 8, 12, 16 hours a day where you can work. We have kids as well. Every year we set out strategic goals for the company to keep us focused on what it is that we want to accomplish. And so with everything that we do, we always go back to those goals to see how they're aligned. Now, there are so many tasks that align with our goals. So how do I accomplish them? I read recently in an article, you can't do everything. And it's so true, although it's so hard to not do everything, especially as a founder of a company, especially say this, especially as a woman who feels that, you know, as women, we feel that we need to do everything. We need to take care of the business. We need to take care of our kids. We need to take care of our spouse, our parents. But, you know, I think it's about putting yourself around people that you fully trust that you can delegate some of the tasks to. If I didn't trust the people that I work with, I would never be able to delegate the tasks. And I delegate and the people that I trust know that they can trust me and I have their back just as much as they have mine. Do you guys use any fancy CRM to keep track on all the tasks and deals? We use several tools. Like for me, Asana is probably like the best track task tracker i know we're not sponsored by asana yet but maybe something we can ask asana he knows he can sponsor the podcast will be great (laughs) i know not everyone on my team feels the same way that i love asana that keeps me on track for sure i also find that you know i used to make these like crazy to-do lists and cross everything off my to-do list and now what i do is i actually put blocks of what I need to do in my calendar. So there's no more to-do list. If it's a to-do, then it automatically goes right in my calendar. I say, okay, this is a 15 minute task or it's an hour and a half task. It's going right in here. And this is when I get it done. It really keeps me focused. It's, it almost like it's a gamification for me where like, if like I must get this particular task done within this time, because that's, what I allotted to myself. And if I don't, then everything else goes off track. So I find that's really helpful. (laughs) Nice. If you can go back three years ago, what will be the advice you will give to yourself to do differently when you start the company? See, that, that is a really hard one because I truly believe that everything that I experienced and all the adversities that I experienced, especially at the beginning, shaped who... I am today and what the company ended up becoming. So I think what I tell myself, I guess it's kind of cliche, but like embrace the adversities because they're always a stepping stone to new opportunities. You can always convert a negative into a positive as well. Nothing is static. If something bad happens, something good will happen, but also don't get used to the good because anything can change at any point. Don't get too comfortable.
It's a very good advice. Thank you. I'm going to ask a couple of questions that I actually don't ask people, but since we talk about privacy, I'm kind of very wondering. If I put a picture of my child on Facebook and my child is not 18, who the picture belong to? Me, my child, Facebook? Clear answer here. It's more like a debate. Yeah, I mean, I guess the picture probably belonged to the parent of the child. You're the custodian of the child. You get to make decisions on behalf of your child. Like, legally speaking, maybe Facebook. Probably Facebook. But when the child become 18, can the child say, I never approved this. I want access to this picture. That's a good question. I mean, yeah, I, I guess they could. I mean, if they have capacity. And this is a really interesting question because even in our own legislation, it's not entirely clear when a child is no longer a child and when a child can make certain decisions. It's really about the context in which we're speaking and the capacity of the child. So in in that respect, I think as an 18-year-old child, if you don't want your picture up on Facebook or you want to own that picture, I don't see why you shouldn't. I think you would have capacity to make that kind of a decision (laughs) about yourself. We're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about dark side. Everybody's still listening. Please continue listening. This section is open right now. Eventually, it's probably going to be part of Patreon. We didn't decide it yet. So on the dark side, we talk about stuff that didn't go well. It could be hiring. It could be customers. It could be raising money. Like, or it could be just like, I hate this job. I don't want to be here. I just want to quit everything, cancel, and go to Mexico and just surf for them my entire life. So share some stories. You don't have to mention names of customers, definitely. But something that was hard, and you probably learned from it as well. I can think of a few. At the very beginning of starting Bamboo, it was February 2020. So we all know what happens March 2020. Mm-hmm. And I just quit my job. I did not really, I had no income coming in. I was the breadwinner at home. I had two young children and I had given up a law career that I was very successful at. And I was back at ground zero. And I had I was set on a mission to start something new and exciting and something that I thought would, I could have a positive impact in the industry. And then March, 2020 happens, COVID hits. And it was such a huge block for me. And I felt like I made the worst decisions I ever could have made. And that was a really dark time. Uh, I felt that, well, Who's going to hire me now? There's a pandemic. So do I continue with a business? Do I look for a job? I am not bringing in money, but I kept at it. And don't even know how I had the guts to do it. But quite honestly, I could not go back to the life that I had before. I think that was that was it. I, there was no opportunity. There was, maybe there was an opportunity to go back, but I so desperately did not want to go back. So the only way was to go forward and to push on forward and see what happens. And luckily I made the right decision. That was one very dark time. Another one was when I lost one of my dearest colleagues. He was with me from probably like second month of Bamboo. Him and I worked very closely together. He helped me shape Bamboo into what it was or what it is today. And him and I were very close. We became very good friends. And it was shocking that to year two and a half-ish, he 
reach out to me and he said that he was going to be moving on. And it was a big shock to me. For me, I just felt that he was one of the founders of bamboo and how could he give up on bamboo? But at the same time, I couldn't blame him. He got an amazing opportunity as a startup. I can't offer a salary that large companies can offer. I can offer other things that I think are of more value. But at the end of the day, when sometimes money talks and I understand why he left, but it was heartbreaking for me. Yeah, that was really tough. When you have this time, when it's like a dark time or tough time, what do you do? meditate, run, watch a movie, just some different people do different things to kind of get back to the horse and get back to the like good time. It's always a time for reflection, right? And so I often go back to my values and my goals and reposition myself. I have to re-strategize and think of how we're going to move forward. Nothing, not one thing is going to make Bamboo fail as a company, but we need to refocus. So it's, I basically had to, you know, readjust things and try to move us forward. I also, I'm, I'm of the mindset and I've taken a course about this It's called the positive intelligence where you know, again, you're faced with adversity and how do you turn that into a positive? And it may not be evident in front of your face at that very moment, how this horrible thing just happened to you. You feel like everything's going to fall apart. You know, what's the good that comes out of it? It's not going to come to you maybe that day or in a week or in a month, but you know that it will show up some way, somehow. And so I'm a strong believer in that. You have to move on. There is the resilience in you that nothing can stop you, right? You have a mission, a goal, a vision, and you have to move forward. Amazing. Like very good stories. And <laughs> It's hard, but it's also it's kind of fun because you look back and you're like, damn, that was good. I beat that. And yep. I am today. Bigger. You tap yourself on the shoulder because it was, you know, it was not somebody else. It was you and the team, of course. And the team. And the team. But you know what? Of all of this, the one thing that, you know, I do want to mention, as you know, and as I mentioned, I have two small children and I see them go through adversities all the time as a child, you know, oh, this friend didn't want to play with me or, you know, I didn't get the grade that I wanted or, you know, like it seems like little people, little problems, but in their context, it's a big problem. And I give them advice on how to deal with their problems. And when I have to deal with my problems, I often think I can't show my children that I can't deal with this in a positive way. I can't preach to them one thing and then do something else when it comes to myself. Because Show by example. Exactly. They watch me so closely. And we often talk about, I'm like, we're a very open book. And we talk about the problems that we experience in our everyday 
reality at the dinner table. And so I talked to them about the problem that I experienced when my dear colleague left. And yeah, I even shed some tears in front of them because they needed to know the human side of losing someone or, you know, facing adversity. But then I also showed them that I could pick myself back up and move forward and re-strategize and make things better. Thank you. A lot of good advice. Thank you very much. Enjoy today's show. Anything else you want to add? I think for like, part of why I I really love working at Bamboo, even though like I know it, it's my own company, of course, with my team, there's something really special about, I think, the vibration of who we are. We have a positive outlook. We really want to be creatives. We don't want to be your traditional consulting firm. We want to think outside of the box and we push ourselves to do so. We think about our clients, we empathize with our clients and their experience, and we try to develop programs that will create an experience for our clients. At the end of the day, all consultants pretty much do the same thing. They create your policies, they create your procedures. They're all smart, but it's the experience that you have that will set you apart. In 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, they may not remember the policy or the procedure that I developed for them, but what they will remember is the experience that they had with us. And that is what we're really trying to achieve, an amazing experience that will have a positive impact on their business, but as well as a positive impact on the consumers who are using their products. It's in a way not what I told you, it's what, how I make you feel. That's exactly it. And so, it, but it all starts from in here with us. If we're not creating that energy, if we don't have that energy within ourselves and within our team, we're not going to attract it in our clients. It's all about the vibration. If we have it, we'll attract the same vibration in other employees that we hire or clients that we decide to work with. And that's why it's such a fun place to work. Great. I like when we make cybersecurity and spirituality. It's always fun. Great. Thank you very much. Everybody that's listening, thank you. I think it was a great episode. Please follow us and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you.